Y'all want to do some uh, prophecy watch tonight? Um, you know, we don't do a whole lot of that, uh, for certain reasons. We do teach on it. We do try to make sure every Christian understands end times and what's to come and what you can expect. Uh, but we don't do a lot of current event things. Uh, and then, but every, every current event that occurs that alerts the world, like, oh my gosh, what's going on? We say a few things here to help you understand where, what's going on. And so you don't have to be scared. So is anybody a little a little scared, a little uncertain, a little, oh my gosh, what's going on? Uh, hopefully not. And you can just, I'll start off by saying, don't be afraid of anything. Don't be, don't be moved by what's happened in the Middle East. It's, it's been going on for a long time. Uh, it'll, 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 it'll happen. It'll go down. It'll happen. It'll go down. Don't be moved by it. Okay. It doesn't mean anything for your personal life today. All right. Now we do have great compassion for all that's going on over there. There's some atrocities, there's evil, there's pain and suffering, there's war. War is terrible, terrible things, horrible. It's devastating and it's wrong. And so you can pray for all those people that are, that are in the middle of suffering right now and for God to intervene and end this thing. Uh, now, if you're praying for total peace in the Middle East, it'll never really happen. Amen. It just won't happen until the rapture. So if you're praying for the peace in the Middle East, then what you want, what you're praying for is for, for Jesus to come take all the saints out of the earth. Amen. The moment Jesus takes the saints out of the earth, peace begins in the Middle East for three and a half years by the Antichrist. He gives a false three and a half, he gives a false peace to Israel and Jerusalem for three and a half years. Everybody in the whole world thinks everything's Okay. The Christians are gone. Everything's okay. In the middle of that, after that three and a half years, in the middle of the seven-year tribulation, he stands in the temple and declares himself God, the abomination of desolation. And that's when Israel realizes we've been deceived. So it's a fake peace, a false peace. It's the only next peace they get because they rejected the Prince of Peace. And then there's three and a half years of devastation. And then there's the final day. When Jesus comes back, the battle of Armageddon, when devastation happens, Revelation describes it. And then Jesus, just before it looks like they're going to be defeated, Jesus comes with us, the armies of heaven and wipes out all the nations that have come against Israel. And we set up shop and that's worthy of a shout. Okay. So that's the, that's the future. Um, but just so you, let me, let me read a scripture here. We'll do a couple scriptures just because you're probably going to hear them. Every time some, some event occurs, people want to try to tie it to the Bible and, and say, oh, see, we're in the end times. Uh, I just want you to realize we've been in the end times ever since you found Houston Faith Church. <laughs> we, we've been in the end times for a long, long time. 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, 50 years, 100 years. We've been in the end times for a long time. And the Bible doesn't say how long the end times last. What it does is many of the Old Testament prophecies predict the day of the Lord. In that day. And it's talking about when Jesus returns. It's talking about that final moment in that day that's when the millennial reign begins, and that's when all these prophecies are fulfilled for Israel. 
You'll see it over and over. In that day. Isaiah said it like 50 times. In that day. And so that's, that's what uh, Jews and Israel is expecting is in that day they're going to finally get the lamb to lay down with that lion. Right? And all the blessing and all the fruitfulness and all the restoration happens then. And peace and and no more enemy. That's that day. That's the millennial reign of Christ. That's when Jesus sets foot on the Mount of Olives. Okay? So a lot of the prophecies you'll see refer to that specifically. Uh, so just so you know, we are in the end times. We don't need another war to tell us that we're in the end times. We're in the end times. You don't need another earthquake to tell you we're in the end times. You don't need another drought to tell us we're in the end times. <laughs> We're in the end times. In the last days, perilous times come. We've already been seeing that in a, in a very exponential increased way for a long time. Um, and you're never going to be able to go tie anything to some clock for current day to see. Now, how long do we have? You'll never know. Not even Jesus Christ knows. He said no one knows that day. Not even the Son, not even the Lord Jesus, not even the Son knows the day of the end. Nobody knows it. So when a Christian says, well, I know that we're not supposed to predict when he's coming, but I think that he's coming. You've just shown your ignorance, and we're going to put you in the penalty box. You don't get to preach for six months. I've heard at least three preachers that are well-known say that kind of garbage. Well, you know, I know we're not supposed to predict things, but I wouldn't be surprised if it happened in the fall of, or in October, you know, you got the eclipse coming and the blood moon, this and that, and I just have a feeling, I have a feeling, I have a feeling, everybody, that it's going to happen. Oh, good luck with that. Good luck with that. No man knows the time or the day or the hour. So don't be trying to figure that out. What we need to do is stop wasting our time trying to figure out how this current event matched something in the Old Testament, which is very, very difficult, actually impossible to do for most things. Uh, God did it that way so that you couldn't figure everything out. So rather than that, let's spend our time doing what we're responsible to do. Stay focused on the Lord. Stay focused on your church people. Stay focused on building the church. Stay focused on... Uh, staying full, Amen. staying filled, staying free, stay focused on the, Lord. That's right. the fact that the Lord is coming and you're going to stand before him. And the only thing that you have to be alert to right now is the trumpet. If you hear the trumpet, I suggest you fly away. <laughs> that's the, the next thing that's going to happen for Christians is the trumpet blows. The voice of the archangel. And then the dead come out of the grave. Woo! And then we which are alive and remain will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. That's the next thing that's happening for us. And it has nothing to do with the Middle East. Okay? Uh, so let's read this passage here. Uh, now let me say this. Okay, Pastor Joni, Sunday. Sunday is going to begin something that you don't want to miss. Sunday begins the detailed teaching and preaching on a saint's life 
from the rapture on. Not what's going to be happening in the tribulation in the earth with all the wars and all the antichrist. We're not even here. You have no part in that. But what, what are we doing after the rapture? She's going to explain. What are we doing? Which describes the heavenly party. We'll be partying. Big dinner table. The marriage supper of the Lamb. And other things. And then the thousand years. What are we doing the thousand years? Twiddle our thumbs? And so that's going to begin on Sunday. And then she's going to continue it on Wednesdays for a while. So get ready for that. It's going to be exciting. Uh, but just let me show you a couple passages to help put some things in perspective. Um, if you get confused by what everybody's saying out there, just tune them out. It's not important, all right? And you'll see that after about six months, it'll go back down. And you'll be like, what was that that they were saying was supposed to happen? It didn't happen. Matthew chapter 28, maybe. 24. Matthew 24. Um, Kind of an anchoring scripture for the end times for us. I'm not going to try to get in and explain all the details. That, that takes full services to, to really do it. We do have it in our old series, End Times, Saints Life. She's done it in that from years and years ago on audio. We've got it in our Revelation series uh, online. So we've got it out there, but I'm not going to go through I just want to read this one part. Chapter 24, Matthew, verse 4. Jesus answered and said to them, take heed that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name saying, I'm the Christ and will deceive many. And then others will, you know, claim that the stars and the moons are going to tell you something. Okay, it didn't say that, but I'm just saying. You'll be deceived by even some of the famous people, the elect. Verse 6, and you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. So see if you can tie them to Old Testament predictions and prophecies. It didn't say that, did it? You will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you're not troubled. That eliminates all the need for any kind of troubling the church. No, no need to trouble any Christian. No need to alert. God is doing something. Yeah, he's been doing it for 2,000 years. But it's happening. Yes, it sure has been happening for quite a while. But you gotta, you gotta do something. You better be doing something. You're right. You should be leading others to Christ now. <clears throat> this doesn't mean, oh, oh my gosh, we gotta help. The end times happen. I don't think the end times need any help. I was just at a minister's conference, and one of the, I did a Q&A session, and one of the questions from a, from a minister was, uh, should we be sending uh, money to Israel? Who are you going to send it to? Well, these organizations, what are they using it for? I don't know. You better find out what they're using it for before you send them money. The Christian has no business. Listen. Believers have no business sending their money in the name of help the nation of Israel. You have no business sending your money there. If you're going to send your money, it better be for gospel work. 
Now, if the organization is spreading the gospel and building churches, fine, do it. Find out, though. Don't just hook, line, and sinker, start sending money because they, they said we, they need money. The government of the United States is taking care of what can be taken care of on a huge scale. Let's not suck the life out of all the Christians who, we need gospel money. The kingdom needs to grow. You're called to grow the kingdom. You're called to preach this, spread this gospel. You need to re recognize that if you're going to give money to anybody, it ought to be to God for the church's sake. If you'll do a little research in some of these organizations, you'll, you'll feel like I feel, okay? I've done it, and it's very, it's very embarrassing. They don't even like Christians. Amen. Tell it. The, non the unsaved people that are part of this in partnership with Christians, they don't even like Christians. And they make fun of us behind closed doors and laugh that all the Christians are giving their money. Do your own research. You'll see. So be careful about that kind of stuff. It, it, it's sensational because we see the news, we see the plight, we see the problem. Don't be moved by sight. We walk by faith, we walk by scripture. You gotta know who you're serving. You gotta do it for the Lord Jesus Christ, who is never really mentioned. In most all of those efforts, the Lord Jesus Christ is somehow omitted. He's the main thing. He's the most precious thing in the sight of God. So, see that you're not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines, pestilences, earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginning of sorrows. We'll stop there. Just want you to recognize, don't be troubled. You got it? Yes. Is that enough for tonight? You want some more? There's always somebody in here that keeps you long. It's not me. It's not me. Y'all blame the priest. Like, why do they preach so long? It's somebody else in here making me. Really, in the spirit, that's really what happens. It's when people are hungry and pulling. The more people that are hungry and pulling, the longer the, the service goes. There's some places I can go preaching, and man, after 30 minutes, they're about done. And I don't have, it's not coming out of me. It's like, man, I'll just end here. But here, y'all are just too hungry. So that's good. <clears throat> Praise the Lord. All right, let's go to, um, oh, some of these are so complicated because you go into some of these Old, covenant, Old Testament prophecies and you don't know if it's prophesying for what's already happened or what's going to happen or both. And many times it's both. Go, go to Amos uh, 9. We'll go there. Amos 9, do you even know where Amos is? It's in there right next to Joel and Micah and somewhere in there. Uh, again, you'll see these words in that day, on that day. Um, and it's referring to the day when the Lord comes back and the clock is turned back on Israel. I had that as a question in this minister's meeting that is Israel, is the, are the current events happening in Israel the time clock for end time events? Do you know the answer? The answer is no. Israel has always been the clock for God's timeline until Messiah was cut off according to Daniel. Messiah was cut off, the clock was turned off. 
As soon as Messiah came and died, the clock for Israel's turned off. Seventy weeks, this is Daniel's prophecy, 70 weeks are determined upon your people, Israel. Seventy weeks, 69 weeks all the way from the beginning until Messiah was cut off. 69 weeks we've had until Jesus Christ died and rose again. The clock's been turned off. Now we have the church age. This church age now continues without a clock. No man knows the day or the hour that the rapture's coming, the trumpet's blowing. No man knows. We've got to continue this work until, 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 until more fruit comes. More fruit comes. The husband waits for the precious fruit of the earth until he receives the, the early and the latter rain so that he can have fruit and more fruit and so more people saved and church building and more people in the family. And then the rapture takes place and the clock turns back on for Israel for their final week. They've had 69 weeks. The last week is seven, and that's the seven-year tribulation. That's the, that's the last week, and that's when it's all about Israel during that final week. But it's not all about Israel as long as the church is still here. Amen. Because the Lord Jesus Christ is everything. God sending the Messiah was everything for the Jew and the whole world. And as long as it's the church age, it's all about Jesus. As soon as he gets his body out of here, then it can be about the natural land and the natural people until he comes back to step foot on the Mount of Olives. All right? So you don't really gain anything by looking at current events right now, except, except for the fact that Israel was scattered for hundreds of years. Since 70 AD, Israel has been scattered. The Romans destroyed Jerusalem. Jews were scattered. And then in 1948, 47, 48, uh, the Jews began to, to gather back to, to the land. That's prophesied in a vague way that he's going to bring them back. Now, he's going to really expedi- expedite that in the, in the final hour. Okay, but you do see that they've gathered back since they became a state, since Israel became a state. So that's the one thing that has happened in in preparation for the last day, preparation for the end time. So we do see that that happened. Other than that, there's not going to be really any signs that we can put our finger on. Uh, I've always said, except for the fact that if you see the temple starting to get rebuilt, that's supposed to happen. Uh, If you start seeing the sacrifice happen again, because that's supposed to happen, that's all going to be rebuilt for the Antichrist to stand in the Holy of Holies and and desolate the place, right? So we can see that there's some things that are supposed to start happening. We don't know if they're going to happen before the rapture or after the rapture. We don't know if we'll see any of it really, uh, or if we miss it all and we're already partying in heaven. Say again. Oh, um, in Luke, there's a scripture that says, look at the fig tree and all the trees. And when you see them start to bud, you know that the summer's near. And it's saying, and it's saying basically, when you see all these things start to come to pass, you know it's near. Some people have said the fig tree is Israel, so watch Israel. Watch Israel. You'll hear it all the time. Watch Israel. Watch Israel. Watch Israel. No, Israel's not the fig tree in that passage. It's not saying watch Israel. It says when you, when you see the fig tree and all the trees, it's just an analogy for trees. Israel has been called the olive tree, and it has been called the fig tree in Old Testament prophecy. 
But that's not the point for end times alerting. It's confirmation. I'm sure it's confirmation. It must be confirmation. <laughs> but that's been a false assumption that it's talking about watch Israel. No, no. Don't need to do that. There's no, Jesus never said that. Paul never said that. None of the apostles ever said that. That's not, that's not the point. It's just when you start noticing one little leaf change, you know you're in the end. Summer's near. That's really all it's saying. Let's read here Amos chapter 9. Amos chapter 9 is kind of interesting here. It says, um, now part of this, he's talking about Israel had gone into captivity. He's scattered them. He's destroyed them, but not all of them. Uh, And then it gets back in here to verse 11. On that day, I will raise up the tabernacle of David. Oh, wait, no, we better read verse 9. Surely I will command and I will sift the house of Israel among all nations as grain is sifted in a sieve. And yet... And yet not the smallest grain shall fall to the ground. All the sinners of my people shall die by the sword, who say the calamity shall not overtake us nor confront us. On that day I'll raise up the tabernacle of David, which has fallen down, and repair its damages. I'll raise up its ruin and rebuild it as in the days of old, that they may possess the remnant of Eden. And all the Gentiles who are called by my name, says the Lord, who does this thing. Behold, the days are coming when the plowman shall overtake the reaper and the treader of grapes, him who sows seed, just saying that it's going gonna, it's gonna to expedite. And all the hills shall flow with it. Uh, I'll bring back the captives of my people Israel, and they shall build the waste cities and inhabit them. So this verse 13 through 14 is partially already happening. But notice this verse 11. I'll raise up the tabernacle of David. So it's been destroyed, and it's not inexistent right now. Right, and that's the big fight with the Muslims uh, of the Dome of the Rock and the, the mosque and, and the, the half temple with the one wall. Okay, so that's a big struggle, but one day it's going to get rebuilt. Well, Acts chapter 15 tells us when it gets rebuilt. Go to Acts chapter 15. Acts chapter 15 says, verse 14, James is preaching, James says this, verse 14, Simon has declared, Peter has declared how God at the first visited the Gentiles to take out of them a people for his name. That's what we just read in Amos. And that's us. That's the church. Out of the Gentiles came the church. Out of the Gentiles plus the believing Jews came believers who turned into the church That's the the remnant that he kept for his name. Verse 15, and with the words of this, the prophets, and with this, the words of the prophets agree, just as it's written. After this, what do you mean after this? After this church, after the church time, after this God taking out of the Gentiles a people, after that, I will return and will rebuild the tabernacle of David, which has fallen down. I will rebuild its ruins and I will set it up so that the rest of mankind may seek the Lord. It's referring to the last day. It's referring to the millennial reign when 
when it's all visible and the whole world has to come visit Jerusalem. The whole world has to come bow before Jesus. Even all the Gentiles who are called by my name, says the Lord who does all these things. So this is, a, this is not a church prophecy. Amos was not a current church time prophecy. It's an after the church prophecy. After that's already, after the church age, then the tabernacle gets rebuilt. So that's at least one little puzzle piece we can put together. Turn to Zechariah chapter 12. I know it feels like you need more. Exactly. Uh, as a hobby, I, I would say if you want to get into it, you can. Just make sure it stays a hobby, uh, trying to pinpoint and, and, and connect dots, because it's not easy. And, and most uh, prophecy scholars, they disagree on everything. <laughs> or half the stuff, is, is, is they disagree on a lot of it just because it's, it's written that way. It's written so you can't just follow an outline and know everything. You get a glimpse. God gave his people a glimpse of the future so that we would be confident that he's got things in his hand. Zechariah chapter 12 here is actually talking about Armageddon. Not today. You'll hear it probably on the news, probably on some Christian television in the next week or two. Zechariah 12, they'll be saying, see, it's already happening. It's not already happening. Zechariah 12 is an Armageddon passage. Let's see Zechariah chapter 12, verse 1. The burden of the word of the Lord against Israel. Thus says the Lord who stretches out the heavens, lays the foundation of the earth, forms the spirit of man within him. Behold, I'll make Jerusalem a cup of drunkenness to all the surrounding peoples when they lay siege against Judah and Jerusalem. And it shall happen in that day that I'll make Jerusalem a very heavy stone for all peoples. All who would heave it away will surely be cut in pieces though all nations of the earth are gathered against it. Well, all nations of the earth aren't gathered against it right now, right? They will, but right now they're not. And just so you know, uh, this skirmish that's happening over there right now, Israel's going to squelch it. Israel's going to be fine. It's going to end just like when it's something happens to America. Man, we'll, we'll, because of the power of the might of its armies and because the end times have to have Israel as a land. So nobody's going to steal their land anymore. That's part of it. Nobody gets to steal their land anymore. Anybody that tries it, they're going to be in trouble in the last day. So we got that. And so you can be confident that even maybe with the help of USA, Israel, I mean, they, they, Israel could wipe out every country. Right now, they could wipe out all the Middle East, all by themselves. I think what we see is that God with a civilized world has stopped that from happening. Because if this was Old Testament days and they had nukes, they'd have wiped them out. Forget horses and swords and stuff. Just push the button. <laughs> Heathens, gone. Pagans, gone. It's over. God said, wipe out the heathen in the Old Testament. They'd have already wiped them out. But because it's civilized society, uh, God has ref restrained the whole world from world war. You, I don't think you'll see nuclear war at all. Even if it happened in Armageddon, you won't be here. So you and I are safe. Now that would have been good news for those in the 60s who were kids taught how to hide under their desk in case, a, 
in case a nuclear bomb went off. So you can, you can be rest assured that God's done this, and, and, and part of it has been a civilized society, I, I, I think. So, um, okay, so chapter 12, Zechariah here, verse 4, in that day, notice that, in that day, you, you'll see that Isaiah said that like 50 times. Zechariah says it like 16 times in that day. It's, it's always a prediction of that final day, whether it's the very last day of Armageddon or the seven years called as a day, or it could be the millennial reign, thousand years. That's a day with the Lord. So you'll see it's, it's not always clear, but it's talking about the final day. In that day, says the Lord, I'll strike every horse with confusion and its rider with madness. That means you shouldn't be driving a Bronco <laughs> or a Mustang. <laughs> I'll strike every horse with confusion and its rider with madness. I'll open my eyes on the house of Judah. People say, well, how come God didn't predict it using something like cars? Well, you'll see some, some of the uh, sim symbology that prophets used It was because they didn't know what they were seeing and they, they said it and who knows what that's going to turn out to be. But other times it was just, that's relatable, right? If they'd have written and said these things way back when, <laughs> but uh, I don't know. I think every, every vehicle has some sort of horsepower. I think that counts. I'll strike every horsepower with confusion and it's riding with madness. I'll open my eyes on the house of Judah and will strike every horse of the people with blindness. Remember the verse one said, this is the word of the Lord against Israel. You know that in the Old Testament, the Lord was with Israel and then he was against them. And he was with them and he was against them. Every time they would obey, he would be against them. They would repent, he'd be with them. Do you remember that? If you would read your Bible, you would know that it was in and out of favor with God all the time. Really, you need to understand this, that they were in and out of favor, in and out of favor. I mean, they'd look desolate, and then somebody would rise up. One of the judges would rise up and repent, and he would recover them all, deliver them all, and restore them all. And then the next judge would come, and it'd be evil, and he would leave them to their enemies and scatter them and, you know, ang angry and wrath and destruction against his people. And that's why in 70 AD, they were destroyed. Because they rejected the Messiah. That was the plan. That was the predicted turn of events that they would reject the Messiah and then your house would be left desolate. Jesus is the predictor. He's the prophet that said Jerusalem would be destroyed. Did you, did you know that? Everybody know that? Jesus said, he said, whoa, Jerusalem. Oh, Jerusalem, oh, Jerusalem, thou that killeth the prophets. I would have gathered you like a hen gathers her chicks, but you wouldn't let me. Therefore, your house is left to you desolate. That was the curse. That was the woe. That was the prophet saying, that's it. You're scattered. And in 70 AD, just 30-something years after Jesus, the Romans destroyed Jerusalem, scattered the Israelites, right? Just, just like God's always done. If you don't believe, if you don't obey the command of God, then you've broken covenant in the Old Testament, in the Old Covenant. So they broke their Old Covenant by not receiving the new command. What's the new command? 
Jesus said, a new commandment I give to you. Now, who did Jesus preach to? Who did Jesus preach to in the earth? He said, I came only for the house of Israel. His message and ministry was to the Jew only. And what did he say? He said, a new commandment I give to you this day, that you believe on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and love one another. He said, if any man does not have the son, he doesn't have life. Any man that has the son has life. Any man that does not have the son does not have life. He said that, and that was said to the Jews. All right, so <clears throat> we just have to keep perspective so that we uh, side with Jesus on all of this and not be afraid of anything. All right, so, and, and it's okay that God had done it this way. So it's not like Israel has constant favor with God. If so, they wouldn't have enemies destroying them. But God's not dealing with nations that way right now, okay? So anyway, let's read this. Uh, verse 7, the Lord will save the tents of Judah first so that the glory of the house of David and the glory of the inhabitants of Jerusalem shall not become greater than that of Judah. In that day, the Lord will defend the inhabitants of Jerusalem, the one who's feeble among them. In that day shall, shall be like David and the house of David shall be like God and the angel of the Lord, like the angel of the Lord before them. It shall be in that day that I will seek to destroy all the nations that come against Jerusalem. Notice it says in that day. That, you'll see that throughout. That's referring to a day that has not happened yet. So this passage is not current. You understand? In that day, he's going to destroy all the nations that come against Jerusalem. And I will, I mean, that hasn't started yet, has it? That would certainly make the news if he was destroying all the nations. So I just want you to admit, this is how you, this is how you can uh, put away in the closet some of these things people are saying. And I will pour on the house of David and on the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and supplication. They will look on me whom they pierced. What's he referring to? The day he stands in Jerusalem, Jesus is coming back to Jerusalem and every eye shall see him and those that pierced him shall see him. That's what he's referring to right here. They will look on me whom they pierced. Yes, they were mourned for him as one mourns for his only son and grieve for him as one grieves for a firstborn. Can you imagine natural Jews who did not receive the gospel will see the Lord stand on the mountain and their first reaction will not be, hey, it will be one of mourning, of recognition. It'll all be clear to them that they denied him. Now, if they're alive to see him, they'll, they'll be saved. But Joni's going to explain some things about their condition versus our condition. Different. Verse 11, in that day there shall be a great mourning in Jerusalem, like the mourning at Hadad Rimon in the plain, the plain of Megiddo. And the land shall mourn, every family by itself, the family of the house of David by itself, and their wives by themselves, the family of the house of Nathan by itself, and their wives by themselves, family of the house of Levi. And verse 14, all the families that remain, every family by itself, and their wives by themselves. I'm not sure why the wives have to be by themselves, poor wives. 
But verse 1, chapter 13, in that day a fountain shall be opened for the house of David and for the inhabitants of Jerusalem for sin and for uncleanness. Stop there. Okay, now that's further than I want to go, but right there, that's the millennial uh, reign where there is healing for all of the Jews who did not believe in Jesus ahead of time. There's restoration. This is where we start seeing there's peace on earth now. Restoration for Israel. Restoration for all people who will come to Jesus. Amen? All right, so that's just a little, little recap. There's you know, a thousand more hours we could spend, a thousand more scriptures we could study. But just remember, listen, everything's okay. Everything's okay. In the natural, it ain't really okay, is it? In the natural, no. There's wars. In the natural, I mean, we got, we got corruption in every area of this life. We've got devastation and destruction in every natural arena of this world. We've got people that are hurt and, and, and devastated and anxious and fearful and beat up by life. And so what's our duty? Our duty is to get Jesus to them so he can heal their broken heart, restore them, save their soul, shine light in them, and then move to the next person. Let's get the next one. And so we do need to pray for people over there. We need to pray for safety. Pray for anything you want. Pray for, just let the compassion of Jesus. You can pray in tongues. You don't know what to pray for, really, do you? Lord, don't let anybody ever die again in Jerusalem. Well, that's not very realistic, is it? How about you just pray in tongues? Just pray in tongues if you care deeply over there. Anytime there's a war anywhere, you want to pray. Just like the Ukrainian war. That's still going on. People are destroying lives. And so be available at least to the Holy Spirit. Right. I would say, you know, maybe when things like this happen, you, you offer yourself at least. Like you can't force yourself to have a burden to pray for anybody or any country or people. Right. But you can offer yourself. Amen. Lord, I'm available. Yeah. I do care about people there. That's right. So in the name of Jesus, use me. Yeah. If you need me, Lord, I, I pray that you help over there. I give myself to the Holy Spirit. However you want to use me, you can. And then maybe something comes. Maybe you have, carry a little burden for a while. Maybe you spend 30 minutes in tongues and that's it. I don't know. So you can offer yourself, but, but don't take it upon yourself to have a burden you don't really have. Sometimes that's just very distracting. So. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. But we certainly root for Israel, don't we? Yeah. Yeah, they're the, the, the free country. They're the, they're the ones. They're, we, have, we have ties with Israel. They're in the Bible. And we certainly want America to not be one of those nations that are punished. Because when we rule the thousand years, I'm coming back to... I'm coming back to fix the stoplights on West Little York. I want America to be safe and not burned up. So I like my country. So we don't want America to be judged. So America, we want them to support Israel all the time. Sure, sure. I don't know. Who knows where we're going to be stationed. Thank you for joining Pastors Chaz and Joni today from Houston Faith Church. If you're looking for a good home church in Houston, Texas, we'd like to invite you to be our guest anytime. 
What you'll find is the Houston Faith Church is highly committed to the Word of God, the love of God, and the Spirit-filled life and ministry that Jesus expects. We know that everyone wants to make a difference in this life, and that the Great Commission of the Lord Jesus Christ is the main thing for all of us. You'll find your purpose here and grow strong in faith at Houston Faith Church. Find more faith-building resources on our YouTube channel or subscribe to our free audio podcast. You can also connect with us on Facebook and Instagram. See you soon.